I think we're live. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Film Trooper Presents Film Marketing Fridays. And I'm your host, Scott McMahon. And today our episode is sponsored by Mr. Brad Pitt. No, again, <laughs> he sponsored the last two episodes. But the reality is, in the news recently, Brad Pitt signed a deal with Netflix to produce his uh, war satire film called War Machine for $30 million. And so the New York Daily News wrote about this uh, news item by asking, well, what is the downside? Because the downside could actually be that the multiplex could increasingly become safe only for big budget blockbusters, remakes, and reboots. So why is this a problem? Well, two years ago, Steven Spielberg said, there's going to be an implosion, mega budget movies are going to go crashing to the ground, and that's, and that's going to change the paradigm. And the idea here is that there could be a bubble. It could happen. We've seen it in other industries, real estate, the dot-com. Who's to say it can't happen to the, the Hollywood aspect of the mega budget movies? So if Hollywood does implode, well, then how do you make and sell your film online and survive the Hollywood implosion while doing it? You can head on over to survivetheimplosion.com to pick up the new book, how to make and sell your film online and survive the Hollywood implosion while doing it. And uh, that brings us to today's question, which is the topic of today's uh, Film Marketing Friday is the buyer's circle. And I will uh, click off this so you can see my, um, my fat head. Hi, everyone. I'm Scott McMahon I'm over at Film Hi. Trooper. I'm a film trooper. And today my guest filmmaker uh, who has this particular question and is who is joining us all the way from as I butcher, the, uh, let me do my, let me try to do my best. I'm about, oh darn it, hold on. Ahmedabad, no, I'd mess that up. Where, what city are you from again? Ahmedabad. Ahmedabad, yes, yes in Bob India. Bob. Yes. So um, it's around 10 at night here in Portland, Oregon, and I think it's around 10 in the morning. In the morning, yes. Yes, uh, for you. And you're on the west coast of India. Uh, just south of Pakistan, is that correct? Yes. Yes. Cool. And you, my my friend, uh, you are Rahan Patel. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yes, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Rahan has uh, reached out to me because he had a particular question um, about the buyer circle, or what's known sometimes in the marketing and sales world as like the buyer's journey. Uh, a sales journey or a sales um, cycle. Um, and he sent me a, a, a collection of infographics that he found and wanted to talk more about that and how that applied to the world of the, you know, the uber independent filmmaker or the independent filmmaker not working in any particular main industry. And if they're doing it on their own, um, how does this work? So let's explore this. And so because, because there's some great infographics that were shared uh, by Rahan. So um, I will go back to the screen, uh, share. Um, let's see here. There we go. A little clunky, but I think you can see that. <laughs> okay. So what is the buyer circle? Well, um, what we can do is I will click on um, another wonderful um, graphic because I wasn't able to put it actually in the slide deck, but I think this is worth uh, showing here. Um, so 
cool. So everybody can see this. One of the graphics that was sent to me by Rahan was um, presented by Salesforce. And they had this thing called understanding the buyer's, the buyer's journey. And it's really just, they broke it down to three basic steps, which is you have to, uh, your customer or your buyer has to have awareness that one, they have a problem and two, that you exist. And so there's this whole infographic about, you know, helping the buyer understand a, they have a need. So identifying the need, it's this whole awareness thing. And if I scroll down this thing, then it gets to consideration. The idea here is that your buyer has to get to the point where they consider making the purchase because you've, they've already had that identity. They're aware that you exist, that potentially if they have a, a need, they will pay money to um, have it resolved. And perhaps they consider using you and um, whatever product or service that you're selling. And then the final decision is that, you know, that chasm between knowing that you exist, knowing that there is a problem and knowing that they want to potentially buy something to actually making the purchase is always the hardest part. But if a marketer and a salesperson understands these um, restrictions or these barriers or these cycles, then they can better uh, construct their marketing messages and marketing tips uh, to eventually get people to purchase what they're selling. So I'll go back to another infographic, probably a little easier to see. Um, back to what is the buyer circle. This one is pretty straightforward because again, it shows awareness, consideration, and then purchase. Instead of decision is actually the purchase. And in this particular graph, it talks, it shows like in the awareness stage, there's an ID problem. You, a customer needs to know you exist or they have a problem and they need to know that you have a solution to that problem. And that's what it says here. You introduce the solution. And if you can move your buyer from the awareness stage to the consideration stage, if I can even say consideration, um, then it's a detail of the, that solution. It's, it's, they're weighing in their, their options to see whether or not what you have to offer, is it going to work? And then they want to see, do you have any proof that it works? And then perhaps when they get to the purchase stage, maybe they need a free trial, a little... Um, this one says free trail. Uh, I think it's actually supposed to be trial. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. And then it ends up in a purchase. Um, here's another slide, the, the purchase cycle. Again, these are just graphics that help you visualize this whole process. Uh, there's the awareness, uh, information uh, search. There's the alternative uh, evaluation and purchase decisions. They're weighing out, you know, their choices. And then they make a, po a post-purchase behavior. Maybe they come back. The idea is if you can have a buyer come into your sales funnel and they buy something, could they come back and buy more from you? Well, in the book, How to Make and Sell Your Film Online and Survive the Hollywood Implosion, this is a particular graphic that illustrates the marketing funnel. So a general marketing funnel is someone is a lead and it's kind of funny. They, they call it a funnel, but in reality, a funnel is something that you put anything in a funnel, it eventually comes out the other end. But the reality is it's, it might be more, I think like Brian Clark talks about in copy blogger, uh, it's more of a circle. So, but for illustration's sakes, we can kind of wrap our heads around this funnel idea. So you have a lead and they come into the particular marketing funnel where they need to be brought up to awareness that they have a problem and that you exist with a solution. Maybe their interest, maybe they have interest in it. Then they deal with a the consideration. And then maybe they show an intent to buy, 
but only after evaluation before they take action, which is the purchase. But anywhere in these uh, stages of awareness to consideration to evaluation to action, your customer, your potential customer could leave at any one of these stages. So marketers and salespeople spend a lot of money you know, analyzing data, seeing what they are offering, the messages that they are putting out there to see if their sales funnel and sales process is working. Because if they see that a large number of people are always leaving the uh, funnel or the circle or the cycle at a certain stage, then they know they can go back and rework uh, that particular messaging or that process. Because maybe the people that come in in the awareness. They, they know they have a problem. They know you have a solution. And then they, they, then they get to the consideration stage and they're like, and they still, and they get all the way down to the evaluation stage. But when the evaluation stage, they don't make the action. Maybe it's because of price. Maybe it's because of the terms, or maybe it's because of the checkout process is clunky, or maybe there's something in the, uh, in the sales uh, marketing funnel that doesn't quite click. So Rest assured that for the independent, <laughs> it's it's uh, there's big big companies spend a lot of money analyzing their own sales process to get this right. So not to scare the, the independent, saying like, well, how do I compete? Well, maybe we can do is break it down to something we can all grasp, which is the hero's journey. <laughs> <laughs> So if you look at a sales, uh, the sales process of a customer uh, going through the cycle of potentially buying something, um, we as filmmakers can probably better relate to um, Joseph Campbell's famous analysis of the hero's journey. And in this particular graphic, um, you can see that the hero has a call to a venture. And then um, eventually they have to, you know, cross the threshold of the, like the first act. They have to make that decision that they're going to on this adventure. And then they have all these challenges and temptations that happen. And then they basically have like this moment of, oh no, uh, like uh, all's lost moment, the, the abyss, the, the, you know, the death or the rebirth. And eventually they have to transform. They have to have uh, newfound knowledge, but they return to the village where they came from to share that knowledge uh, to the other common villagers. So if you look at it again, the hero's journey usually starts with some sort of call to adventure. And it's not uncommon for the hero to reject the call. So now if you look at this, you have a buyer who identifies that they have a problem or you help them identify you have a problem, they have a problem and you help them be, uh, help them show that awareness that you actually exist, but they might reject you know, the offer because this is what people do, you know, psychologically in their own hero's journey. So there's a call to adventures, usually a reject of the rejecting the call, like, Hey, I'm, I don't really want to go on this adventure, but then something happens and they have to cross that first threshold. So you as a, what marketers and salespeople try to do is they try to get their buyers. To, they try to hold their hand like a mentor, like a wise wizard, like an Obi-Wan Kenobi, holding their hand across the first threshold. Um, this is getting from awareness to consideration. So then all of a sudden, they be, you can become the mentor. You know, if, if your buyer is Luke Skywalker, you know, you could be the Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, then of course there's gonna be challenges, but if the mentor is there to help uh, alleviate or relieve any sort of um, 
barriers or obstacles or challenges that your buyer might have, or in this case, your hero might have. Um, but then there might come a point where your buyer might go, ah, they, they are having remorse. Like, I, I just don't want to have doing this type of stuff. As long as you know in the hero's journey that this is the natural course of action for most people waking up every day or how they understand story structure subconsciously, then you as the mentor can help them through all these stages. And then what usually happens in the hero's journey, there's like a final boss level. Like you have to overcome this fear to, you know, uh, to slay the beast in the inmost cave or the final boss level in a video game. You know, it's all kind of very much the same. Um, you as the marketer or salesperson selling whatever you're selling can help that particular customer, you know, crush the final fear, which leads them to the elixir. And this comes from uh, Christopher Vogler's book, The Writer's Journey, where he does an analysis of um, Joseph Campbell's book. And it, the idea is the elixir is knowledge. It's or, or some kind of magic that you, you acquire from this experience of this journey. And your job is to bring it back to the village. So for the customer, they need to feel like all these things are happening, but if they get the elixir, it's the product. They bought something. And when they return to the village with this product, it's the knowledge or this acquisition of a product or solution that has um, you know, basically solved a problem that they had originally, but now they are enlightened and they can share or evangelize whatever product you might have to others. So, um, so for the hero's journey, um, this is something that I think most filmmakers can relate to because you're writing a story that pretty much might have some elements of this in your film. So the same thing could be applied to when you're marketing and selling to a customer, if you put the business hat on. So with that said, I always really like this concept of the elixir. I mean, that is going to be the through line, the through line of your story, the through line of your marketing messages, the through line of your whole purpose of why you want to make a film and then why you want to share it with everybody else in the world. And Buddha was known, one of his quotes was saying that the greatest gift to give people is your enlightenment, share it. The greatest, wow. whoa, let's actually, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm going to put you, wait, uh, I'll say that once again. Actually, that was kind of a funny uh, drive-by. <laughs> uh, yeah, Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so getting back to the, the elixir, the gift, um, as Buddha said, the greatest gift to give people is your enlightenment. Share it. So um, with that said, we can go back to the marketing sales funnel, and you can see where this journey <laughs> where you can see this journey uh, takes place. Um, but the biggest question that all this comes down to is how do I get my targeted audience to buy my film? And understanding the five obstacles of the sale, because um, what we've seen as examples were marketing and sales funnels. This is how the marketing and sales world thinks. And then this is one part, if you just want to get strictly down to sales, there are five obstacles to the sale. There's no need. Your customer has no need for what you're offering. You have, they have no money. They feel like they have no money to buy your product or your service or what you're offering. They don't have any hurry to buy what you're offering. You know, these are obstacles. They don't have any desire to purchase whatever you're offering. And they don't have any trust because they don't know you or whatever 
your service or product you're offering. And these five obstacles of the sale come from Mr. Zig Ziglar himself, where he says, every sale has five obstacles, no need, no money, no hurry, no desire, no trust. And what's great about this is if you look back to the five obstacles of the sale, we can address each one of them. And then if you consciously go into um, working on your marketing messages or your sales funnel, you are very keenly aware that your potential customer or audience is going to have these obstacles. So you just have to address each one of them, which is why when somebody says there's no need, well, then you have to ask yourself, how do you create a need? How do you create a desire for what you're offering? If they have no money, that's why you always see these great deals. That's why you always see like, uh, like a, a price tag of like $99 and there's like a red mark on it. It says, no, now it's only for like $29. There's a thing called in marketing sales called like the anchor price. And it, it's to set this psychological uh, structure to it where, um, you know, you think that this is worth $99. And, but then when you see it for lower, then you then you might go, you know what? I have the money for that. Um, I'm going to switch back to my, my big fat head real quick. So, <laughs> um, so the thing is, I'm going to put, I'm going to put you on mute re just real quick, just so I finish this up just for the, the cars driving by real quick. And then I'll, I'll uh, then I'll unmute you, mute you. Is that cool? Yeah, fine. Yeah, <laughs> you're good. I, I can still see you. Oh, perfect. You're, <laughs> I still see you're good. I'll let you, I'll, 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 I'll mute you. I'm just going to finish these, uh, these things real quick. So the five obstacles of the sale, obviously no need. So if you know there's no need, then you want to create the need. And you, those are questions that will lead you down a path of like thinking outside the box of like how you could potentially um, build up whatever film product you're making or whatever the message is about your film that you're making and create this desire, this sense of desire. The same thing with no money. Um, when it gets to that point, we can get to, you could decide that you're going to price on value and not necessarily on what the going rate for the market is. Um, then there's no hurry. This is where scarcity comes in. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a common tactic in sales well, you'll, you'll see something like, um, get this offer now. If you have an obstacle of no money, I can offer this product for you for you know much less than you think, but it only exists. The offer only exists for like one week. And what happens, that creates a rush period. Like there's a, time, a, a countdown where those psychologically, the buyer is like, okay, I've got to hurry to get this great deal. And the whole no desire part, the no need and no desire actually kind of fit hand to hand together. So the whole issue with the no trust part of it is essentially reason why you hear in the film world, which is like your film needs to have a, a star, you know, an, an, a name star. It needs to have like a, a, a name director and, you know, has to have some reputable backing from a distribution company. Those are just honestly just elements that make it seem like more legit social proof that there's an element of trust because of when an audience doesn't know who you are but they see somebody they, they are that they are aware of their work and if they have a, a, a decent history of you know doing good work then that is the element of trust so if you don't have those things in place if you don't have a name director or a name star or a distribution company in place 
you have to get creative in building that trust, which is why the world of content marketing and online marketing allows for this opportunity for you and I or any filmmaker to put our big fat faces on camera and share what our passion, which is sharing our elixir, going back to the hero's journey, sharing what we believe in and what the film's overall elixir is and hopefully they're all sort of alignment like if you're passionately talking about the film's theme and over time you're uh, approaching a very specific group of people that might resonate with your message over time people are going to trust you because they see you so when it comes time to sell it you know you don't need a big star <laughs> you know what i mean like you just need to harness that group of people that believe in or are engaged with your topic or your elixir the conversation over this elixir you're offering and that's one way to get over the trust part so again no need no money no hurry no desire and no trust it's a great way to put your you know thinking cap on to say how do i help the customer or the audience overcome all these obstacles and if i can help them overcome those obstacles I am like the wise wizard mentor Obi-Wan that leads the them. You have to make them the hero. You have to make them the protagonist and lead them down this journey uh, to eventually they will buy, you know, your product or whatever your film product offering is going to be. Um, and that when you take it from that perspective, it kind of helps um, make it more fun. It almost makes like it's it's a like it's the real life journey of your story that because you know as filmmakers we're writing stories and we're putting it on uh on you know digital images and sharing that story but when you interact with real life customers it's sort of like the real life um uh, playing out this 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 hero's journey so i'm gonna unmute you real quick ron let's see here oh shoot come on how do i unmute you unmute Try to see if you can unmute yourself. Can you unmute yourself or, or look at this technology. <laughs> Let's see. Okay. If you can't unmute yourself. Oh, there you go. Try it again one more time. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> well, anyway, um, so let's get, let's, let's. Yeah, you're good now. Let's go ahead and uh, once you share with us, you have a particular film you're working on, um, and maybe we could talk about sort of this the the obstacles, you know, like, and then we can come up brainstorm with some ideas to help, you know, at least help establish a foundation that gives you the best fighting chance to um, help your audience and eventually customers overcome some of these obstacles. So. Um, so please, yeah, uh, tell us about this particular film or, the, or some of the bigger projects you're working on. Yeah, uh, right now we are working on the like the short film, The Offer, and it is a psychological thriller, and uh, it's about like blind hitman. Uh, this girl uh, hires a blind blind hitman to kill her, her husband because uh, her husband betrayed uh, betrayed her. So this is like uh, the theme is around like revenge, betrayal, and uh, manipulation. This girl try to manipulate that blind hitman, but this hitman knows everything that what even girl is betraying her uh, husband. 
by dating her husband's brother. So this is like suspense. Like they know every, every you know what's going on behind that. Uh, they know the truth, but they are hiding the truth, and they are like judging each other by their body language and all these kind of things. And they're like, uh, you know, bit by bit, they are like uh, revealing the layer of lie, and they are like finding the truth, what is the ultimate truth. And once truth is revealed, then uh, that's the climax of the story. And, yeah. Uh, so uh, you have, um, so this short film called The Offer, again, just it deals with a woman hiring a hitman uh, to revenge on her husband, correct? Exactly. And then it stuff unravels and sort of made, you know, um, come back and haunt her per se. But the, like it, it's a suspense that unravels. And it's interesting yes. because you had, uh, you know, messaged me uh, uh, a question about if the theme is so maybe dark or like a revenge theme, you know, how, how do you use that theme as like a marketing message? And, the, and we had this discussion where most great stories um, have a revenge theme. Most action films have a revenge theme. And what it is is an audience loves to have this um, live, you know, vicariously or, you know, th therapeutically through these um, stories because, you know, a lot of us have maybe have some inkling of feeling wrong or if we, if we haven't felt wrong in a story context, we could see, we can project ourselves onto the protagonist to go, if that happened to me, I might just do the same crazy thing that this person might be doing as a, as a form of revenge. And, but there's other elements to it. We talked about here in America, we, there's like a, a slang term called, uh, you know, a train wreck. Um, a lot of reality TV shows where they, they force the drama and the suspense and the conflict. Um, especially when you have, you know, two very, you know, sort of trashy women, you know, yelling at each other and they're getting about to get in a fight or something. It's like, it's like a train wreck. You don't want to stop looking at or on the internet. If somebody says, Oh my gosh, this is a car crash, car crashes here, you know, in the United States, you're driving by, everybody has to stop to look over at a car crash or an automobile crash. So there's something to this psychology of a train wreck. And um, one of the most famous uh, TV shows that just had ended recently that I'm just finally getting around to watching is Breaking Bad. And Breaking Bad, the, the protagonist, you know, there's so many things within the first ep uh, season that hap happened to this particular protagonist that set up like, it just sets up so much drama and so much suspense that it is a train wreck you you can't not you know want to watch because you want to see what happens next and so you have all these elements with your short film uh story premise of the offer because what happens if the initial gut wrench is to have revenge but when it goes wrong how you know how many things can you put on top of each other in the story which makes it so interesting um and that is sort of what you would you know, hang your hat on in terms of a marketing message to get people enticed and like almost leave it as a cliffhanger. If you want to see kind of like what happens to her or what happens to the story, then it becomes intrigued. Like, okay, you, you can set up this potential, like all the elements of a, of a car crash train wreck. And you have to leave it cliff, like enough of a cliffhanger that what makes people want to see it. And that gets the whole aspect of, you know, uh, of somebody having no need for your product 
But if you create enough of a suspense or a, or a cliffhanger in your marketing message or something, then they might be inclined to be like, ah, well, I got to see what happens or I got to know what happens. So I'll check it out. So you've created this uh, where there was no need, you created a need and you created a desire. So that's one part of it. And then um, obviously, like say if you're selling it um, and, you, and you're selling for like 99 cents or whatever it might be, or if, or if it's free, if the offer is free, that's also a price. You know, you could address those issues, those barriers of no money. And if you say like it's free for only one week, then you create this, this feeling like, or one day or something, that's like this sense of hurriedness. Oh, I got to hurry and see this. But if they had seen you, maybe there's a bunch of like, videos that you are sharing behind the scenes or more in depth, like sort of um, theoretical discussions about revenge and things like that. You're priming your audience to, to be in, in alignment with what eventually what your story is going to be about. You know, like I mentioned we, off, off air before we started the broadcast, you had a particular video that you posted on Facebook where you were asking your community of filmmakers and artists a deeper question about filmmaking. And I thought that was very interesting because what happens from that is you're inviting people to engage, you're inviting people to have a, a deeper discussion. And so it might be a natural um, uh, progression where you say, thank you so much for this you know, conversation we had online for those who watch. It goes, so I've applied that to my art, the film that I'm making. And, and that way people are following you and then that's a, an issue of no trust because they would trust you because you engage with them on a deeper thought or deeper level thinking. So any, something like that. So if you, um, now you're on the screen. Okay. <laughs> do you have, no, I'm curious. I was, do you have, um, I don't know if that helps or what, if I'm missing something, please ask, uh, ask an, another question. Uh, no, this is perfectly fine. Like, uh, uh this, I had this question regarding ID problem uh, about uh, so what I'm thinking that okay there is my theme is revenge now in, in bias journey there is a first step ID problem like you know we, we recognize that what are the problem of the my, my target audience so so what I come up maybe I'm right or wrong uh, let me know uh, yeah the my Ideal fan is Miller, who has cognitive need, like according to Maslow's hierarchy of human need. He want to know something rather than you know he want to know why part of the thing. So uh, just imagine like my Facebook uh, follower, like the page movies follower, the offers follower are like people like Miller who want to know you know how why people behave like this and you know what is like psychology behind the revenge. So what I've started addressing is that you know five things you need to know about revenge or you know why people manipulate. So is it like good I'm going in that direction on, on like first ID problem? Like I'm not talking about my films now, I'm just talking about this theme. Okay, okay. Uh, you need to know, you know, the way when people manipulate or when people are lying then their body language is quite different. So even in the filmmaking what I I learned from this McKendrick uh, like that, uh, the the filmmaker McKendrick, he tells that there is always subtext uh, in a filmmaking. The what people say and what is the uh, beneath, uh, you know, the what is the intent behind 
they are saying. So maybe if somebody is saying good word, but their intent is bad, then people can recognize, you know, what's going on uh, uh, behind the brain. And I, in in this particular thing, like the hitman and this girl is trying to, you know, cheat each other. They're trying to, you know, unveiling, uh, you know, uh, the truth. So in that uh, particular, in this theme, it is all about, uh, you know, understanding. Are you like, understanding? Uh, you are right. Uh, when the way people lie, is he lying or or is uh, honest? So my theme is about that. So is it good to mention all all, all this kind of thing in the beginning of the marketing? Yeah, process? I think um, what I can gather is that. Um What's interesting, what's good of what we have going on is that revenge, like you said, um, is a primal, it's a primal emotion that everyone can connect to if it's set up in the, the, the proper way. Like if you set it up so where people can identify with a concept of revenge. And then, like you said, in, or those people lying, you know, it, you know, are we all lying? And you can almost do something where, you know, like, whatever great you know whatever great screenwriting or great storytelling is like when you read the dialogue whatever is being said is not really but what it's meant to say like when somebody says two characters say well i love you well i love uh -huh. you and what they, but you know knowing <laughs> yeah. how the other context like it's hardly uh, effective cinema is hardly ever works when whatever somebody's saying out loud is exactly what they mean you know it's, or it's like whatever they say on the screen is on nose like it's never fun seeing an actor play like a scene that is what they call on the nose like it's more interesting when um a, a, a antagonist or a bad guy is charming and they're saying all these lovely things but you know the underlying motivation and their and their physical mannerisms tell you otherwise like this is some serious you know shit. like something's bad is yeah. going to happen so for the marketing part of it or connecting with people, you have this opportunity to connect with people just on a primal level, the emotional level, and then you can have fun maybe with other aspects of your um, marketing. Uh, just when I say marketing, it's just, um, I was thinking like you could do something where you could do a little game like how, who's lying in this scenario? So maybe it's just like clips from the scenes or your actors giving different readings of a, of a certain line and just knowing like there's five things to select from. So your audience can get engaged to like, you know, can you tell like a cop would if somebody's lying, you know? Because like if you look at me and, I, and, you, and you ask me like, um, you know, did you have pizza tonight? And I'm like, oh yeah, totally. I mean, they're like, oh, that guy's totally lying. You know, it's like, because there's, there's like these, you can do some like, psych, you know, psychological things where all of a sudden, like, um, I think something is wrong. Yeah, yeah. That's what we mean. You don't like it, but you're just saying, you know. Yeah, the, the, what you just did there, the, the yeah. eyes, the eyes going up, you know, like, or looking down. I think there was something about, you know, when somebody's lying, when they look up, like, or they have to think for a second. Like, were, were you with that girl last night? No, what? You know, like <laughs> if you read the, the dialogue, it says no, what? Mm. But we all know, yeah, you were with the girl. Yeah. So, 
So you can have fun with that. I mean, in terms of the, you have elements from your story or your film that you can pull from that they could just be fun little one-offs that don't feel like marketing for an, it's not like overbearing. It should be fun because if you're making the film anyway, you might as well stop or something and say, Hey, let's do some quick, you know, throwaways on the scene or some quick takes that we can use later that may not be in the film, but it could be used later as like, a, a little fun video test or inter engagement test for our online audience. But it's just, it's things like that that make marketing fun. You know, if you were hired by a big company like Coca-Cola and you were asked to make all these um, creative marketing decisions, um, you probably, excuse me, you probably would enjoy your job. You know, it might be enjoyable, you know, and if you had the freedom to, um, create something that resonated with who you are as a person, who you are as an artist and what you stand for and those types of things. So I don't think there should be any difference between somebody being an independent filmmaker to have the same sort of fun with their marketing elements. If they, if they view it as my next job, when I make my film, that's part of it. But the other part of it, I have to be a creative director over the marketing part of it because I want to make sure that the whole experience that an audience sees, um, they're that it's all that it's all wonderful you know like you bringing up questions about uh challenging people's um uh thoughts about revenge uh maybe they're challenged about you know how do you decide when somebody's lying or not lying and all that kind of fun stuff that you could put together totally go and coincide with the message of your film and that way it it's all feels in alignment and that way nobody feels like they're being misled or they're being missold, you know, and that way you don't have to like, uh, and that way you don't feel bad. I think that's right. The biggest thing is like not feeling bad about sharing what you've created and, and you'll never go to that place again where you're going check. Yeah. Check my film out or bleach, you know, check this out or check out this story. Like nobody's going to respond to that. But if you, bring something to the table on Facebook, on Twitter, or anything on Tumblr, and there's some kind of headline question that says, um, if this happened to you and this happened to you, would you seek revenge? And then if so, would you, you know, of the three things that, on a, you know, questionnaire survey, which one would you do, <laughs> you know? So like you're inviting people to engage in it. And at the end of it, always have a call to action back to your film, either sharing them to let them know the film exists, or you're when you're ready to sell it, you know, show them here's a trailer and here's a place to buy it. But they've already gotten their mindset like, oh, yeah, a film about revenge. Oh, this is cool. Just a train wreck. She's made all the bad decisions. She's made every bad decision. What the hell is going to happen to her? You know, I don't know. I mean, it, things like that. But um, I, I get it. Sorry, I get I talk too much and I get excited because it's like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm here. I to learn something from. <laughs> So yeah, so you're when you reach out to your audience, um, sometimes you won't even know who your audience is. I mean, I think we probably should address that. Let's just say that a lot of filmmakers listening to this, you know, you may have an inkling who your audience might be, but you may not know. And you only know until you start putting out these little messages. And and you don't even have to make you don't even have to have your film made yet by at least engaging in the theme, the elixir of this overall concept of your film. And like we already discussed here, you know, the theme of revenge, you know, uh, lying, you know, what happens. Um, 
that's a fun thing that you can just put out with a simple survey with some famous scenes from other movies that deal with revenge and say, which, which, which revenge film is your favorite? You know, just something like that to get people engaged and then have some way for them at the end, some sort of way to get them on your email list, which is why you have a call to action. Like, you know, Hey, like right now, because, um, Get it. Here's a, a quick one page PDF guide to the 10 best revenge films of all time. And then somebody, if they want it, um, they can click it, but they have to enter their email address. And you know what I mean? It's so it's where you're 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 screening it. It's leads. You're giving away something free, but you're beginning to uh, have them on this email list. So that way you can talk to them more intimately and more directly and you can start asking questions. Like, hey, I love the fact that you said that your favorite revenge film was the movie Revenge with Kevin Costner or whatever it might be. You know, it's like uh, the then you can have a discussion with that and say, hey, well, I'm, make, I'm making this revenge film or something like that. And this is a short film. and This is what we have here. This is what we're working on. Um, and you can ask a question like, what would you like to see or what is not clear to you in the poster that we've created? You know, so yeah. these are things that you don't even know who your audience is yet, but you're just throwing out bits of bait, their leads, and the people that come through your funnel, the people that decide to put their names and emails onto your list, then at that particular point, you can then have it, start having a deeper conversation by just asking questions and allowing them a, a platform to share with you. And in the questions you get, then you'll know like, Hmm. Okay. So people aren't really, maybe they go, they're not really clear about what the poster is. So maybe we have to go back and redo our poster, you know, because, and then we do like, a, we show a few scenes or maybe you're, if you're willing, you know, share the script. And um, if you're, you know, some filmmakers that are listening to this, maybe they're out there and says, okay, I got a short film. Maybe I will share the script to the people that come into the email list because I want them to get, I want to get feedback. Maybe you don't share Maybe you don't share the entire script. Maybe you share like the first like act of it so that people have like a, there's a cliffhanger and there's a great way not to um, fish for the wrong type of compliments. Like if you really want constructive criticism on what you're working on, the two things, the only thing you need, that you need to ask your audience or friends is that what you're working on is number one, what is not clear? That's all you have to ask them. Like what is not clear? Because when, when somebody's asked, like, what is not clear, then there's this candor or honesty that comes out and they don't feel like they're hurting your feelings. But if you ask them, did you like it? They're, they're going to be polite and not give you the, the uh, constructive criticism. But by asking clarity, then you know, like, oh, I didn't realize nobody knew that the two were married or so I don't know whatever the story is, but like, you know, like the two are married and okay, so we need to clarify that. Um, then once you get to a place where your story or your marketing message is very clear, then the second question to do the follow-up over time is, is this interesting? <laughs> it's not about whether or not it's good or bad. It's whether or not it's interesting or more interesting. So somebody says, well, yeah, you have two characters talking in a restaurant, but could it be more interesting if they were on a train and nobody and they had to be quiet, but it was like so loud that it, you know they had to speak to each other's ear, or one of them is is sick and they're constantly coughing and you know doesn't want to get it on the uh, you know cough phlegm on the other person. I don't know. Like 
the whole point is once your story is clear, then you want to break it down uh, to each section being like, is it interesting? And then, or is your marketing interesting? You know, you never know. Um, I remember I got a comment once on Twitter, like some video post that I put up, they were like, ah, oh, it's kind of a boring article. And I was like, oh, well then I wanted to know like, okay, that sucks. Nobody wants to be boring. So how do I make it more interesting? You know? <laughs> so, but, uh, but those, those things alone will give you an opportunity to discover who your real audience is. And, uh, and it's kind of, it should be a fun process. You should enjoy the process of getting to really know who your audience is. And when they, and sometimes it may not be a big audience. Maybe it's only a hundred people, 50 people. But if you have 50, 50 real people or a hundred real people that are communicating to you, uh, honestly and candidly about what you're working on, imagine if you had that many people in a, in one room, that's, that's, that's legitimate. So it's one of those things like I know we get caught up in numbers online about like somebody's got 30,000 likes or 45,000 likes. The difference is you might have only 10 people that respond to you, but that's 10 real people that if you had them in one room would mean something. It would, it would have meaning. And I think that's something that you can, uh, artists can enjoy in because our art's nothing without an, an audience, right? We need to have this feedback and and that's the the joy that comes into it. And that's where marketing comes into it because it won't feel like marketing because it just feels like another element of sharing this idea. So anyway, with, with things like that, from an outsider's perspective, looking at your particular film, I think that's, if you don't, if you have an idea who your audience is, that's great. But to really know who your audience is, allow them to engage and create these sort of questions that um, enable them to be... Um, to help become evangelist of your film eventually, you know? I'm gonna take a drink of water real quick. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to tell me. Um, am I on the right page for you or is there something else? Um, if I'm missing something or, or, or? I got the like perfecting, like even this is like great. Fifty people are should be at least right people. No, because online all the time we are so influenced by number you have to you've got to have 30,000 followers as you said yeah and uh, sometimes we fall into this marketing this number gap and we forget the real uh, like meaning behind our marketing and so now this is perfect uh, I mean, got the answer. yeah so I know that the, the the questions the conversations we've had like on email back and forth um, yes. what from an outsider's perspective, reading your emails and seeing what you're trying to do, um, you have a much, there's something about you as an artist and a person that has a deeper thought. Like there's, you want deeper meaning. So exactly. that already resonates through you as a person. And you just have to like embrace that and, and go with it and, and keep um, and staying true to that curiosity that you have um, because that will resonate with other people and that will become an element that will eventually break down the trust barrier because people will trust you and trust your, your uh, deeper uh, level of thought um, will resonate with you. And that's a good thing. So, yeah. but, so I'm going to uh, ask you, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I always have these like challenges. Uh, I am surrounded by some people and, uh, and they, they ask me to do what I don't want to. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I always feel like, 
alone in the crowd that uh, you know because they have this mindset that okay you have to follow the trend you have to follow the box office like what is happening in the Hollywood films and all but i'll say that i don't value i don't value those I'm sure. I'm thinking of but there may be a, some deeper meaning behind the violence. Maybe it is just provocative element on that. I don't want to trade my feeling or you know uh, my moral with just number again. You know, I want to be myself, and these people don't allow me to do this. Yeah. So I, I turn into the, like online. Thing. Let's see. I will find some people online. Now here's 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 what's interesting. You were saying like there's what you were sharing with us. Um, it broke up a little bit, but the overall message was there. It's that there was a burning desire or burning um, frustration in you that says, I don't want to follow. Why do I always have to follow the same think tank? Like, why can't it just be this way? And why can't I be true to myself this way? And what's great about that is what we just learned about the hero's journey, about the buyer's journey. So a buyer eventually, you know, may have this problem, a frustration they don't know exists until something is brought to their awareness that it does exist. In the hero's journey, it's that call to action. It's the, everybody uses Star Wars as the great example because it's almost like textbook to the hero's journey is that when Luke Skywalker stands out and looks over the deserts uh, and sees the two suns, it's a very mel melodramatic scene of him yearning for something more. He's looking for adventure there's, and he's looking for his calling, but he needs a mentor and he needs somebody to identify that there's a problem that needs a call to action. And so for you, there was this frustration of like, there needs to be something there. And, you, and, and slowly by surely, you're finding um, different mentors. You're, you're finding people uh, helping you identify that this problem or this frustration exists. Mm -hmm. And they're, I, I, they're, I got the mentor, like Scott, he's the mentor, <laughs> I, I always follow him, you know. <laughs> Thanks. So that, it helps, it, but it's interesting because it helps you get over the first threshold and onto this journey. And you, by identifying that within yourself, can help identify the same thing with other people. Um, how does this all play out when you're, you know, creating a film and stuff like that? And like you were asking these deeper questions earlier. Is film more than just entertainment, or what do people want to get out of film, or why do they want to watch films? You know, what did you discover in your questioning? Uh, yeah. So when I asked about, uh, you know, I didn't ask for film. Otherwise, if I uh, if I asked them which kind of film do you like, they suddenly pinpoint on I like action film, I like this. Then I would miss the real context. So I asked this: Why do you want to listen to story? Because as a filmmaker, we know that at the end we are going to shoot the story in the film. So, so what I learned, they, they want to know something in life, you know, how to solve problems in their life. So if, if we can, like, I didn't, if we can create a hero who can address the same problem as uh, our, these people have, then they are going to be very happy audience, like they, they want to see, uh, they, they would love to see this kind of film. Second, they, uh, they want to gain more knowledge. Something kind of how wisdom, as you said, like elixir or uh, elixir. The elixir, yeah, yeah. it's like a magic yeah. potion. It's the uh, exactly, yeah, exactly. You know, how can we learn moral of the story, and we can apply those moral in our life to you know to make uh, our life better, and even our family members or people who are connected with them. So this is what the, at the end the film is uh, or stories are all about. 
maybe film as a filmmaker we can what i learned that it is a, maybe a just a medium like as a literature is the medium film is the medium and it has its own potentiality right so we have to, we thought now as you said it is all about creating value of for the our uh, ideal uh, ideal fan yeah so if our film create the value uh, for our ideal fan for example if our film give new way to thinking about uh, people uh, new give uh, you know solve problems with some practical uh, informations then they are going to be very happy audience so i didn't apply in my this short film the offer because i learned later after like making this short film but i'm going to apply all this learning in next short film that i hope i make them you know because in making film for me it was like subjective okay i'm making film that's it but i didn't think about you know creating value in audience making the experience very useful yeah and it's interesting like um, there's probably one word to grab onto there that is it's just transformation meaning that oh, yeah. your audience they are yearning for a transformation and they don't even know it but you if you go through the whole buyer circle this whole this whole concept of today's session is bringing awareness to something they didn't know that they wanted but they deep down inside that's always always what they wanted and that's why when somebody gets a satisfying transformation after watching a piece of art or watching a short film a long film or a tv show or whatever it might be if they feel satisfied at the end it means that you as an artist had taken them through a journey you know psychologically emotionally and help them go through a transformation where they come out the other end with some bit of elixir a dip and every story has a bit a different set of elixirs that they they offer to the audience and um and keeping all that stuff in mind you can see even the sales process i mean if you get you know going back to sales or marketing that it's, it can still follow the same elements of a good story and um which makes it all more enjoyable um I like the, the thing that you brought up about the small like like value understanding the value of film and um, this is what I think hope hopefully all independent filmmakers could just take solace in is that if you can construct your film and have a direct sort of connection with an audience and it doesn't have to be a big audience a just your audience then the great thing about it is that your film may not have to be that great <laughs> what i'm saying is like it, it it only has to be valuable to that set of people and uh, yeah yeah uh, what i learned that people don't do not need to i even i am vfx artist by myself i mm -hmm. i know a lot of software but when i see the history then uh, uh, people still would like to watch a film of that black and white film of mahatma gandhi Uh, yeah. you know marching for independence of india yeah so so what i see that see at this time they don't care about which which by which camera they shot you know whether it is it has grain or not what they are perceiving is that a one man uh standing against the you know some uh, standing for freedom so this is what they are perceiving and this is exactly what we have to do even we have like we are shooting by one single like mobile but we have to create that value this is incredible learning from like heroes learning you know filmmakers learning yeah uh, from film troupe <laughs> <laughs> it's funny it um when it comes down to it, it the concept is fairly simple and the last last film marketing friday sessions i had 
um, with the, the two filmmakers from Los Angeles, uh, Richard and Holly, they were, we were talking about it. Like, it sounds so simple. And it probably is. The strategy is simple. The execution will always be difficult. I mean, if you look at the hero's journey, it's a fairly a simplistic um, outline of how all stories sort of follow. And, but the complexities and the difficulties are all in, you know, all putting it together so that the, um, the expression leads to the uh, expression of the art form leads to a transformation in the audience, you know, and it's, it's always gonna be hard. It's always going to be hard when making that audience or find that potential customer to make the purchase, you know, it, and every company still deals with this. Like nobody's figured it out and nobody will ever. It's always going to be something that exists that ha is in flux, but the strategies and the concepts will always stay simple. The execution and the details will stay hard. And um, so it's okay, but uh, because once you take comfort and solace in that, then you can enjoy the journey. Like I enjoy this. I so enjoy meet. I'm talking to you. I'm in Portland, Oregon, and you were in India. Yeah. You know, and uh, and this is the first yeah. time I met you via online, but we've talked yeah. before on email. But I could tell it was great because I could tell there was a a person behind all these me uh, messages being sent to me and talking to me. And then seeing the video, there's then talking to you now. This is special. And so what we hopefully take from this is to come back later and say, yes, I was able to finish the film. We had some success with this sort of marketing campaign we did, or the audience we found out was nobody where we thought we were going to be. We had no idea that the people resonated with this film were 45 year old um, ladies. You know, I don't mean, I, you don't know. I mean, it's like, it's weird. It's like um, you found out like, you won't know that until you go through your journey. But what, what we're asking here is like to come back, come back and share your elixir with us of what you found, you know? So cool. Well, hey, we are wrapping up in the hour mark and I would be a total fool if I didn't ask, use my own advice and ask something very uh, simple as, was there anything in this today's just discussion that wasn't clear? Or, or okay. No, everything is clear. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very so the next step is like, how do I make it more interesting? Okay. <laughs> so it goes clear and then interesting. Uh, I think it is clear. I, uh, it is already interesting. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I will, um, let me show up these last bit of slides here then um, as we uh, round out the hour. Um, it's always good to know this simple question, well, what is marketing? I always call it a, a process or communicating to get a result. And so if you're very clear in understanding what result you want to get, is it to share your film with other people? Is it to get people on your email list? Is it to actually make the sale? Then you know that your marketing message is all geared towards getting that particular result. And the big concept here moving forward for a lot of independent filmmakers, this is something I believe in. This is the, the line in the sand that I've drawn that I'm staking. I'm saying that film is an advertisement that yes, you will, f you will sell your film as a product. It will be a product, but more or less it's an advertisement for selling something bigger. And that something bigger is that elixir. And in the bottom line is you use that elixir to serve your audience. And if you can keep all these, sort of basic woo-woo kind of 
concepts in mind, it'll just make you feel better as an artist because you won't feel lost and you'll feel good about what you're doing and you'll feel good about selling and wanting to make sales off the products that you create um, because you're always going to be serving an audience that way. So with that said, if anybody's out there and they're stuck trying to make your film, then this is my way of paying the bills. <laughs> Head on over to freegearguide.com. It's a free equipment list of everything I use to make a feature film for $500 without a crew over at freegearguide.com. And before I close out here, um, the film I'm talking about is right behind me. It's called The Cube. And, and that was an eye-opening experience. Um, experience for me that got me to start Film Trooper, to lead me down this path of asking questions, to start Film Marketing Fridays, because I know I'm not alone. And like you said, Rahan here was telling us about how he felt like, ah, I don't want to feel alone in this. And yes. then finding people online that connect with the same, same thought process, it makes, it makes your world bigger and, and you don't feel so small and like, darn it, you know, and lost. I think that was a big thing. Do you have any last things you want to say or how can people get hold of you? I'll be sure to leave show notes and um, places where people can get hold of you when this is all wrapped up and finished. Yeah. So yeah. cool. That's it. Do you have uh, is the um, when is the uh, the short film expected? Is it already finished or getting close to finish the offer? Yeah, it is in post production right now. Oh, I very nice. Yeah. VFX things are going on. Well, congratulations. Yeah. We are creating an all virtual set, uh, maybe because uh, uh, what we thought that it's going to be like a snow desert and uh, a lot of CGI things are going on right now. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, very cool. Well, I'm excited to hear about everything, and then as you get the finish, you know, come back, let us know. I mean, you're always invited to come back and share um, your elixir with us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone, let me close it out here and thank everyone for checking it out. Uh, this is uh, film, Ar um, film Marketing. This is Film Trooper Presents Film Marketing Fridays. Thank you so much. I will see you guys next time.